Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Well, good evening, everybody. We are in part six of our Revelation series. We'll be going over chapters 15 to 18 tonight, so you can go ahead and open up to Revelation 15, and we will begin this evening. Um, does everybody or does anybody not have a packet of notes? You should have gotten some notes. Okay, um, Aaron, do you still have any copies of those notes left? We need one over here. Okay, she got it. Thank you. Awesome. So you should all have notes there. Revelation 15 is how we're going to start. So just a, a quick recap to get us up to speed of where we are in this book. Um, we have, um, over these past five weeks, we've gone over John's calling to receive this prophetic message from Jesus in the book of Revelation. We've seen seven letters to the seven churches in Asia Minor. We've seen Jesus taking the scroll from the Father's right hand in his glorious throne room scene. And then we saw an unfolding of these judgment series, a series of judgments. We saw seven seals and seven trumpets in Revelation chapter 6 through 11. A couple of weeks ago, we highlighted especially the seventh trumpet, which sounds, and Jesus begins his second coming procession from heaven to earth. And in the first stage of his second coming procession, he is gathering the saints from across the nations. And again, this rapture, it's a hostile takeover of the nations. So that's what's going on at the seven trumpet. And then last week, we talked about Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, this unholy trinity that is going to wage an end-time war against Jesus and against the saints. But thankfully, we also saw the Lamb on Mount Zion with his army of worshiping warriors, with the Father's name written on their foreheads, that were charging into Jerusalem in victory. So, that's where we left off. Today, we are going to enter into the third and final series of judgments that unfold in this book, the bold judgments, which will culminate in the fall of this city called Babylon. So before I go further, I just want to recommend a resource to everybody. Um, this little book called Book of Revelation Study Guide by Mike Bickle. So on the uh, right side of the page, it's just the Book of Revelation from the New King James Version. And then on the left side, it's Mike Bickle's comments, um, which are extremely helpful. I just ate this up for about three years straight, just dove into it every single week. Um, was looking at these notes as a, as a foundation, then opening up the scriptures it referred to. This is like the first edition here, as you can tell by my, uh, my colored duct tape on the back. Um, it's one of, those one of those books you keep buying, you just keep handing to people, um, but no one's taken this one, so um, I still have my first <laughs> oldest copy. But you can get it online, um, Book of Revelation Study Guide. I think it's the best resource available on just finding a roadmap through the book of Revelation. So I want to recommend that book of Revelation study guide. So let's talk about the bold judgments and the fall of Babylon, or in paragraph two of your notes. Um, in Revelation 15, 
we see this marvelous scene of the saints worshiping in heaven. So let's look at Revelation chapter 15, verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 4. So everyone got that? Revelation 15, verse 1 to 4, says this. Then I, John, remember, saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels who had seven plagues, which are the last, because in them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire. And those who had been victorious over the beast and his image, and the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, holding harps of God. And they sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. And I'm going to go down to verse 7. We see these seven angels with these seven bowls of wrath. Verse 7, Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from His power. And no one was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. So, John sees this marvelous scene, seven angels coming with seven plagues, seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God. And this is the the last series of the outpouring of the wrath of God on the earth. And what's really important to note here in this passage is the involvement of the saints in the release of these plagues on the earth. Because what we see in this scene in Revelation 15 is those who had victory over the beast and victory over his name, which is really good news, the saints will have victory (laughs) over the beast, (laughs) over the image, and over the, the mark of the beast. But they break out into this song of Moses, this song of the Lamb, praising God, worshiping God on this sea of glass mixed with fire, which we saw in Revelation chapter 4. So they're standing on this sea of glass, and it's their worship of God that initiates the seven angels taking the seven bowls and preparing to pour them out on the earth. And we see this theme all throughout the book of Revelation. The worship and the prayer of the saints sets the stage and releases the judgments of God against the Antichrist and his empire. So, again, these bold judgments. There are a third group within a series of judgments in the book of Revelation. So I'm just going to write here in our nice new whiteboard. Look how beautiful it is. I think this is going to be the first time anyone's written on this. So... The seven bold judgments are the first thing that get written on this. (laughs) So if you remember in chapter 6 and 7, we had seven seals. One right after another poured out increasing in intensity. And then remember we had a little pause section because they were so intense that John was asking, why why are these judgments so severe and what's going to happen to the saints? 
So a pause section comes in, and the angel comes in and explains to John why this is so severe, what's going to happen to the saints in this section. In this particular case, we saw the saints are going to get protected. They're going to get protected by the seal of God, and the judgments are not going to harm them. And a great harvest of souls is going to be the result of this great outpouring of wrath in the seven sealed judgments. Okay? And then the story unpaused, and we had the seven trumpets. Another series of judgments released. And these got really intense. We saw the hordes of hell being (laughs) opened up, and it's chaotic. And John is seeing the intensity of uh, of these judgments, and he's again asking, why is this so severe? What's going to happen to the saints? Another pause. The angel comes in and he says, John, the saints are going to be given prophetic direction and prophetic power like we've never seen before. And we saw the two witnesses standing against this scourge of hell. <laughs> and, 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 and they were more powerful than any demonic force that would come up against them and try to kill them before their testimony was done. Okay, And we saw this mighty angel releasing these seven prophetic messages in Revelation chapter 10. And so God was saying in this, in this little pause section, don't worry, in the chaos you'll be equipped with power and prophetic direction, and you're going to know what to do, and I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to empower you. And that's where we come Again, we unpause, and technically there's the rapture going on, which we went through. We won't go through that, but we're, um, we come to the seven bulls, the last in a series of judgments. Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bulls. And these will be the most severe judgments we've seen and result in the violent destruction of the Antichrist's main infrastructures and his main power base that's centered in a rebuilt city of Babylon. So if we can cue this video up, I'm going to show us another video clip this week. Um, It's going to be something kind of like this. So if you'll direct your attention to the screens.
It's okay, Pippin. Frodo makes it, as you'll remember if you've seen it. One of my favorite movies, <laughs> um, The Fall of Mordor has come. Let us rejoice and be glad <laughs> and give him glory. <laughs> For fallen is that great city, Mordor, the terrible. It's going to be something kind of like that. So, um, so let's talk about, uh, well, well, first of all, um, we see the judgment of God against Babylon in these chapters. Um, but what's important to notice before we discuss what these bold judgments are, because they are severe, is the principle of divine judgment. They are severe. But what's important to know is that this principle is that Jesus is using the least severe means to bring in the greatest number of people at the deepest level of love without violating their free will. Okay? The least severe means to bring in the greatest number of people at the deepest level of love without violating their free will. This is the heart of God's judgment throughout the entire book of Revelation. He is trying to wake the world up and say, if you follow this Antichrist, this will be your destruction. Come out of her, my people, unless you share in her sins and share in her plagues. He is trying to wake us up. He is trying to wake the world up. And what we've come to at this point in the book of Revelation is such a hardness against God and against Christ that this is the least severe means not only to bring in the greatest number of people to the deepest level of love without violating their free will, but order to stop the violence of the oppressor at the end of the age. So I'm just going to quickly go through these seven bowls. They're here in your notes, and they're, they're pretty intense. The first one, loathsome sores. Antichrist worshipers are struck physically with painful sores on their body. The second, bold judgment, the sea gets turned entirely to blood. So in the trumpet judgments, we saw a third of the sea turn into blood. But in the bold judgments, the entire sea turns into blood and all the fish die. All of, uh, um, and, and, uh, um, all of, all of the, and it is a food resource here that's being knocked out here of the Antichrist. The third bold judgment, the fresh water turns into blood. The rivers and the springs and there's a very sobering uh, praise and worship song that breaks out in heaven when this particular bold judgment happens. In Revelation 16, verse 5. After this, the, the rivers and springs become blood, verse 5. I heard an angel of the water saying, Righteous are you who are and who were, O holy one, because you have judged these things. For they, the Antichrist worshipers, they poured out the blood of the saints and the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. And so the persecution of the saints in this time is so violent and so intense that heaven is looking at God and saying, God, when you judge this level of wickedness, righteous and true are your ways. They deserve it. 
The violence of the oppressor will be intense. And this is the least severe means that God is using to stop the oppression. The, the fourth uh, bold judgment, the sun scorches people with, with fire. And I mean, this is intense. It is so painful that they start blaspheming God even more. And so this is even an opportunity to repent. But they refuse to repent. And it becomes an occasion for them to blaspheme the name of God. The fifth bowl, total darkness is thrown on the, is, is poured out on the throne of the Antichrist. Um, and this is not just this, the light going out. There's a demonic presence to this darkness. And we saw uh, uh, the same type of judgment poured out in the plagues of Egypt. And there was a gnawing pain that accompanied this. And what I, I think is happening here is that there is a demonic torment being released on the Antichrist worshipers that will physically cover them with darkness, but that will also release a level of torment over their, over their soul and over their bodies because they did not repent of their immoralities, their thefts, their sorcery, and their murder. The sixth bold judgment, a demonic gathering of the kings of the earth to Armageddon. And this is a judgment against the nations that are being gathered who were um, uh, um, in order to eliminate them because of their resistance to Jesus and their persecution of the saints. And then the final bold judgment, the most severe that we have seen yet in the book of Revelation, the worst earthquake and hailstorm ever. It is literally the worst. Waiting in line at Walmart is not the worst. <laughs> this <laughs> earthquake and hailstorm is literally the worst. Every mountain is moved. Every island is moved out of its place. 100-pound hailstones come falling out of the sky and destroying the Antichrist's infrastructures, splitting the city of Babylon in three different sections. And Babylon's judgment is remembered. This is intense. Why is this so severe? What's going to happen to the saints? So, and what we see in Revelation 17 and 18, we see the judgment of Babylon, and we get some prophetic insight as to the nature of wickedness that this Antichrist power base is going to spread across the earth. And the least severe means that God can use to bring in the greatest number of people to the deepest level of love without violating their free will, and the least severe means God can use to stop the oppression is to completely destroy this city, its power bases, and its infrastructures all throughout the earth. It's the least severe means. And this city will be drunk with the blood of the saints, as we're going to see. Um, so... Um, before we go into the details of Revelation 17 and 18, 
Um, I want to talk to us about this uh, two-stage plan of the Antichrist, because that's what these chapters are revealing to. It's revealing his plan to deceive the nations into and lure them in to Antichrist worship. So um, the Antichrist, he's not going to be an unintelligent person. He is in the sense that he believes that he can win against God. <laughs> Very unwise to wage war against the creator of the universe. But he will be very tactful in deceiving humanity. And so um, here's how he's going to do it. Wow, this little eraser. The eraser's kind of shrunk here. We'll leave those up there. So his goal is antichrist worship. This is him. This is... This is the spirit of Antichrist. He's not a happy guy. Um, he's mad, he's angry all the time, and he hates you. So um, his goal is to get you to worship him. His goal is to get the nations to worship him. And there's people over here. Um, we've got Christians, we've got Jews, we've got Muslims, and all those other things, all the other signs of the different religions, um, all of them going on here. So, um, or just not religious at all. Could be the case. Um, but the Antichrist knows that it's kind of a big step for this guy over here, whether he's nominally a Christian, a Jew, a Muslim, a Hindu, or just kind of a secular humanist. It's a big step to get him all the way from over here, all the way over here to Antichrist worship. That's a big step. Okay, either no, I grew up Christian, I'm Muslim, or whatever, or I don't believe in a God, I'm not going to worship this thing, I hate this guy, whatever it is. He knows that that is too big of a step. So what's he going to do? He's going to create a middle step called the harlot Babylon. I'm trying to dry this eye of Sauron here. Um, I don't like drawing things that look demonic, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, this is Babylon, Tower of Babylon. Da, 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 da. Um, it's this middle step. And though there's a literal city here that I'm going to emphasize later, the main thing I want to say is it's, this is, he's creating this worldwide religion of tolerance. This overly pluralistic, all religions are equal, all roads lead to God, with no absolutes, and that makes room for every single religion possible. Very pluralistic, okay? Very and what, uh, pluralistic, for those that are new to that term, that, that, this, this is, that uh, the presence of many different religions is possible, okay? But not only possible, but they're legitimate, and so he's creating this, this, this worship system throughout the entire earth, this one-world unified religion that accepts all of the religions, but is intimately connected together as one. Does that make sense? So many religions join together into this unity religion that accepts whatever faith commitments you have, but no absolutes. All roads lead to God. Um, and this is happening today. This is just absolutely happening today. Um, this, 
more than just grieves my heart to say this, but um, um, 80% of college students, Christian college students that go onto the university campus fall away from faith within the first year. I mean, it's, it's devastating. In church, we've, we've got to pray and get wisdom on how to, how to avert that. And the universities, this, this Satan has hijacked so many universities um, and, and just is poisoning the minds of people. Um, now, that, I mean, I went to university, and I've seen it firsthand. <laughs> went to a church-affiliated university, <laughs> um, and that doesn't mean much these days, unfortunately, um, unless they're very committed. Um, SMU is not committed to teaching people about Jesus. It's not. Um, so, um, but there's this worldwide effort going on in the earth right now to bring unity between the, amongst all the world religions. And, to, um, and what, what ends up happening is that people from different faith traditions end up making some kind of agreement with the lie that says that all roads will lead to God. Your religion is good. Your religion is good. Your religion is good. It'll all go there. And I'm not going to try to convert you. You're not going to try to convert me. We're going to be, we're going to, to each his own, And we're going to blur the lines on absolutes. We're going to blur the lines on moral standards. And I mean, there are churches that are holding, that, 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 um, 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 that will hold, that have had, I can't name names, <laughs> but <laughs> major churches that are inviting witches into their meetings to teach people and to conduct seances amongst Christian members of their church. And when that happens, and when Christians start to engage in, in, um, in other religious, demonic activities, or start lowering their moral standards and morality starts, the standard becomes lower and lower and lower. What that does is it starts searing the conscience, defiling <laughs> the spirit, and making people more susceptible to deception. And so as people start buying in to this, this harlot religion, this, this harlot Babylon religion, and, and start agreeing with it, um, whatever religious background they're from, they are searing their conscience. Because I tell you, as we're going to see, this thing is a cup that is full of abominations. And people will be drunk on this, intoxicated with the teaching and the preaching. And I mean, if there is one person in the earth that is the spokesperson for this harlot religion, it is Oprah Winfrey. This woman and what the, 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 um, uh, um, the doctrine that she is preaching, this is the gospel of harlot Babylon. And there are many prophets and messengers that are forerunners to this movement in this day. They're on TV shows. They're on political platforms. They're on, in church pulpits. They're all across the earth. Mega church and mini church here, okay? <laughs> um, Satan is going after them all. 
And what he's doing is he's compromising morality and he's compromising the truth that Jesus alone is the way to the Father and that by no other name can man be saved. And when Christians or when anybody starts compromising those truths, their consciences get seared and it's preparing them for Antichrist worship at the end of the age. Bad news. That's 2 Thessalonians is really serious here. That God actually hands people over to delusion. He hands them over to this as a judgment because they did not receive the love of the truth and they took pleasure in unrighteousness. And the harlot Babylon religion will cause people to hate the truth and to take pleasure in unrighteousness. It will sear their conscience and they will become subject to a spirit of delusion that leads them into antichrist worship. Paul talks about this great falling away, and I have scriptures there I won't read for time's sake, but, um, um, but uh, just, uh, just one line of it in 1 Timothy 4. The Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And that's what's happening here in this middle stage. A falling away is coming where people are departing from the faith It's searing their conscience, and then it's making them subject to the man of sin being revealed, the Antichrist. So, the harlot Babylon, this coming one world religion. I got five minutes, six minutes here. We're going to take some questions. Um, I'm not going to go through all these uh, scripture verses. I'm going to leave those for you in your notes. Um, But what we see in Revelation 17, we see John sees a vision of this woman... And that is this this, uh, clothed in scarlet, holding a golden cup full of abominations and riding on the back of that horrible beast that we saw in Revelation 13 last week. Um, Not good. so, um, So what are we seeing here? We're seeing that this woman, this prostitute, this harlot, is that she is seated over the waters. What do those mean? The book of Revelation tells us very clearly that those are the nations. That she's going to have influence, this harlot religion is going to have influence across all the nations. She has a, she's um, got a golden cup and clothed with pearls. She will be the wealthiest religion that the earth has ever seen. A lot of money is going to go into this system. The kings of the earth that subscribe to this harlot religion are going to get rich. And they'll be intoxicated with her seductive teaching and with her, 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 her financial profit and her, her immorality and abomination. Um, so she has this golden cup, but it's full of abominations. And what I believe this is telling us here is that this is not only going to be a counterfeit religion, but it's going to be a counterfeit justice movement in the earth. It's actually going to um, lure people into it by offering humanitarian aid and doing works of justice. And I tell you, this whole like social justice gospel has just swept across the church in these past 50 years. And I mean, there are some places where it's, if it's, it's, it's become so focused on that, on the works of justice, good things, humanitarian things, so much so that we're forgetting to tell people about Jesus and actually preach the gospel. Where the gospel has become feeding the poor, not preaching good news to the poor. 
which is what the Isaiah 61, the Luke 4.18 anointing is for. It's good news to the poor. It's helping the poor. It's doing good things. But it's also preaching good news to the poor. And people will get lured into this thing because it looks like a good thing. But it's a cup that's end up, that ends, will end up being full of abominations. It's bad news. Um, John sees in Revelation 17.5 that this is the mother of harlots. That this is, this is the source of all false religion in the earth. And this is, this is, we don't have time to go into this tonight, but what's happening here in Revelation 17 and 18, this harlot religion, is it is pulling back all the way to Genesis 11 at the Tower of Babel, where we saw mankind all across the nations coming together, building a great city, unifying the nations on one language and one religion. And we're seeing that recapitulate. We're seeing that come back to the forefront at the end of the age. And she will have a murderous heart. She will be drunk with the blood of the saints. So, uh, Revelation 17, it goes over the religious nature of this harlot. And she's going to have a very close tie to the Antichrist. She'll be right... (laughs) She'll be closely connected and tied in because he's going to use her for his purposes. But what uh, the shocking thing that we're going to see is that the Antichrist and the kings that are aligned with him, they are going to be the ones that destroy this harlot religion. They will be the ones that set her ablaze with fire. They will be the ones that first destroy her. Why is that? Well, he seduced the nations into this one-world unity religion of tolerance. But then in one day, he's going to put a complete end to this and demand that the nations worship him at the pain of death. This harlot religion is setting the stage for Antichrist worship. And when he is ready to pull back the mask fully and reveal the true nature of his wickedness and his desire to be worshipped by all nations, he's done with her. He's going to burn her. And this voluntary religion of tolerance in one day becomes a mandatory, violent religion of intolerance, antichrist worship, or die. That's how he's deceiving the nations. So Revelation 17 gives us the religious nature, the demonic nature of it. Um, Revelation 18 gives us the political and economic. People are going to get rich and prosper from this city. It's going to be the center of trade, of entertainment, of, 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 of benefit concerts, of, of the, the, I imagine just the, the most extravagant amusement parks. I mean, it's just, it's going to, be the hot spot of the earth. And you know, what, what was uh, surprising to me is that my whole life, I had never heard of, 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 of uh, the city in um, the big giant, Dubai. Dubai. Never heard of it growing up at all. Never heard of Dubai. And then suddenly in Mesquite, Texas, <laughs> Mesquite, Texas, giant billboards saying, 
come to Dubai and it were their giant tower that they had built and the amusement park around it and just it is the vacation spot of the earth and one day those signs go up and suddenly everybody knows about Dubai it's an, it, it was I don't know the world, the world one of the world's tallest buildings that was made at the time it's going to be similar to this within a rebuilt city of Babylon, I believe. I believe we're going to see this city rise up out of the ashes, and it's going to become a hot spot in the earth. People are going to get married there. People are going to um, have music concerts there. People are going to go and have amusement and fun. People are going to get rich off of tourism there. The nations are going to get rich by investing in this city. And when this city goes down, the kings are weeping. They're mourning because of the profit that they're losing when she goes down. That's how intense and, and infiltrated, how, how infiltrated all the nations will be by this religious economic system called the Harlot Babylon. But she's going down. She's going down very powerfully. Revelation 18 says, Strong is the Lord God who judges her. And with violence, she will be cast down. Why is this so severe? This harlot, city-based, religious economic system has so poisoned the nations that its main power structure and all of its power bases across the earth have to be completely destroyed. Anything that's tied with this city has to go down. It's just so corrupted at that point. And it's violently persecuting the saints. The least severe means to stop the oppression is to completely destroy it. So, a couple of final notes here on page four. The end-time conflict over the truth of who Jesus is. Um, I want to be clear here that, um, that allegiance to Jesus and loving the truth are going to be primary issues in the end times. Church, we got to get in Revelation 2 and 3 and really take these issues that Jesus is confronting his church with seriously. Because he is confronting these issues of morality. He's confronting these issues of Jesus is the only way. He's confronting these issues of making sure that there's no impurity in the doctrine and the morals of Christians. And we've got to take these seriously. Um, but when it comes to other religions, we as Christians, we want, to, we want to tolerate other religions in the sense that we're holding them in dignity and respect as human beings created in the image of God. Okay, I'm not saying we go around and just and picket other religions and how horrible they are or how ungodly or how anti-Jesus they are. Um, we are. We are in love relating to these people, speaking the truth in love, doing works of justice while preaching the gospel, <laughs> loving but speaking the truth, speaking the truth but loving. Okay? And we've, some of us are good at one end and not so good at the other. But we can't just be the love people that don't ever speak the truth. And we can't just be the truth people that never love. <laughs> Nobody likes that guy. Um, so, not even Jesus. You know, he's like, you've left your first love. Love is the greatest commandment. How did you miss that one? So, he, he, he loves you, but he's like, you really got to change this here. It's the great commandment. Um, so, um, love, so we love people. We peacefully relate to people. We don't try to destroy or picket or speak hatefully. Um, but we stay true to the gospel. Jesus is the only way. He is the only way. 
He is, he is God, and he has the right to establish absolute standards of living. He is the only way of salvation, so he does not accept humanistic views of love and compassion that exclude this truth. He, um, and he has the authority to judge sin both now and in eternity. Those will be the truths that we have to hold to. Jesus is God, and he sets absolutes. Jesus is the only way, and we must love on his terms. And Jesus is the judge, bridegroom, king, judge. And he has authority to judge sin, both now and in eternity. We can't compromise on any of those things. The fall of Babylon. The city of Babylon falls with great violence. And then Revelation 19, verse 1 to 3. The loud voice of a great multitude says, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God because His judgments are true and righteous because He has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality. And He has avenged the blood of His bondservants on her. Hallelujah! Her smoke rises up forever. Heaven is going to break out in worship at the destruction of the city because she has so corrupted the earth and so persecuted the saints. So, this serves, these chapters serve as uh, two purposes for the church. First of all, to sober us up and warn us, not only of the harlot Babylon's judgment, but the judgment of those who align with her. He says in Revelation 18, the angel says, uh, 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 speaking the words of, the, of God, Come out of her, my people. Come out of her, my people. My people. My people. He's not talking to the Antichrist or the, the people that don't love Jesus here. He's talking to Christians. Come out of this demonic system of false truth and false morality. Come out of these lowered standards of truth and morality. Come back to what Jesus taught us. Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and drink of her judgments, drink of her plagues. If we do not wake up and shake off any inward agreement that we've had with this end-time harlot religious system, in terms of our, the truth that we believe and in terms of the way that we live, if we don't shake out of that, we will share in her sins, we will commit the same sins, and we will drink of her plagues. That's just the Bible. Come out of her, my people. So it's a sobering, it's a sobering wake-up call. But it's also a hopeful end of both her destruction and the initiation, the culmination of the wedding supper of the Lamb. Because that's what breaks out in Revelation 19. After she falls, after she, there's rejoicing in heaven over her destruction, and then let us rejoice and be glad for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And so he's saying, my people, be strong. Even if her persecution rages against you, do not bow before the spirit of this age. Do not get tangled up in her false doctrine. It's worth it in the end. There's a wedding feast at the end. There's a celebration. Beloved, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and not loving our lives even when faced with death. 
for we will rise and we will rejoice with our God, with our King, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay. We will lower. Let's all take a deep breath. I want you to take a few moments and think of any questions that might be coming to your mind. I'm going to give you about a minute here. Just think, if you need to write it down, whatever it is. Any questions on what we've covered today or what we've covered thus far? Okay, who wants to be bold and raise their hand and ask a question? Austin. Right. Now, that's a great question. I think the level of deception will be extremely strong. Um, and that's why Paul calls us, uh, Paul says that um, in the last days, some will depart from the faith. Um, Jesus said that the Antichrist will possibly deceive even the elect. Okay, and so I think that's a, that's a call to take this seriously. Um, now, how do we, I think, I think the, uh, uh, um, another way I want to frame your question is, how do we avoid being deceived by this <laughs> deception? <laughs> um, and it's, it's really two ways, um, really simple. Um, we love the truth, and we hate unrighteousness, <laughs> okay? Um, as described in the Word of God, okay, and that's going to be really key, um, it may be shocking to a lot of us, but there are a good number of people in the church that, that call themselves Christians, but that do not take these scriptures seriously in terms of the doctrine that it teaches and the, morals, the moral standards that it sets. And if we compromise on the teachings of Jesus and the truth that Jesus laid out for us clearly in the scriptures, we are very prone to deception, absolutely prone to deception. Okay, and 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 it's it's the the um, um, and there's 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 stuff in this that I think all of us will have to wrestle out in a measure. And I tell you, when I'm on a college campus and I see people that I knew in high school running hard after God, but then that they're they're really confronted 
with some other teaching or understanding of the Bible, of Christianity, of faith, of religion in general, and seeing the progression over them, and, and people that were like really hard on fire. And I had to wrestle with this because I'm like, Lord, I sat down in my college classes in undergrad, um, in an undergrad um, Old Testament class, and the, it seemed like the two major goals of that class were to dismantle any notion of the authority or the authenticity of the Bible. And I mean, it's just like, college students, if you're just signing up for a Bible class, know who's teaching it, okay? Know where you're going, because this, 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 is, this is just permeated. Um, a number of even Christian universities, unfortunately. Not all of them, um, and, uh, but, you know, a lot of people sign up for those classes thinking they're going to, Christians will sign up for those classes thinking they're going to learn more about the Bible and actually come, up more, come out more deceived. Um, and so there were things I had to wrestle through, and I just was like, I am not letting go of this line of the Word of God being true. Um, so, um, but you definitely become the unpopular one real quick um, in that environment. So, um, but do not love your life even to the death. If you like being liked by people, being deceived is going to be very easy in the days ahead. I mean, I, I like being liked by people, but at the cost of truth, no. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so um, yeah. But I think for people that are keeping their spirit sharp, are loving the truth, are hating wickedness, are letting God search their hearts, point out those areas of their life, giving 100% to God, not letting that 1%, 2 or 3% stay untouched by the finger of God in your heart. Because it's that 3% that opens up to 10%, to 20%, to 50%, to more. And then, I mean, just it's like five years go down the road and just you look at these, these people that were burnings for God and it's just not a, not a spark is left. And it's just, it's sad. Um, but it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. So give it all to God. That's how we avoid it. Any other questions? I thought I had the note cards from last week, so I apologize. But um, Stephen, how does Israel relate to this harlot Babylon? That's a good, a great question. Um, I think in a um, in a similar way as we saw ancient Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, that was the kingdom that brought serious persecution against Israel. And it was a judgment in that time. Um, but we are going to see, a, 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 I, I believe we're going to see a, a very strong scourge of persecution against the Jewish people again. Um, and I think that this, this city is going to be, it's, it's, so, so the biggest resistors to this uh, harlot religion um, are going to be just Christians that will not let go of love of the truth and hating unrighteousness. It will be the Orthodox Jewish community <laughs> um, saying, no, we are not doing this. Like, we believe in God, we believe in Torah. And strangely, radical Islam. I mean, this is... Um, um, now, that may have some... Uh, that last one may have a special role in this, as uh, some have... Uh, have suggested and I think given convincing arguments about. Um, but 
um, those that are holding very firmly to it, they are going to get persecuted by this thing as well. Okay, so um, the Jewish people, um, the Antichrist is the main one that's described as releasing this scourge against her, but this is his main power base. Um, so in some way connected that he is going to, this will be his main power base, that he's gaining influence through the, um, across the nations. Um, how exactly that's going to play out as far as persecution of the Jewish people, I'm not sure, but I think it's going to be his staging arena for a time. Um, and so Revelation chapter 12 is the clearest chapter. The, the dragon is spewing out water against this woman with the 12 stars on her head, which I believe represents the remnant of Israel. So I hope that helps. So, okay. Other questions? All right. Well, we'll close it out this evening. If you have any other questions, please bring them next week. And I'll pray. Close this, and we will be dismissed. Thank you.